So Jesus, I want to pray for Leaf as she comes forward to, to share with us today. I pray, Father, that you would encourage her as she speaks. I pray, Lord God, that you would help her to remember and bring to mind the, the stuff that you're wanting to say. And if there's anything that you don't want to say, that it would just um, not come through her lips, Lord. Father, thank you that you, you love us, Lord God. You love it when we speak about you, when we share our stories, when we speak your name and your ways and your words. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be people who listen. Not just listen with our ears, but Lord God, that we would listen with our hearts. That we would allow you, as you speak, to change the landscape that we're looking at, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on. Okay, thank you, Anna. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that prayer, Anna. Um, so, Anna, I don't have to pray <laughs> as I'm starting. But uh, just thank you, yeah, for that really, really special prayer, and I appreciate it. And um, just for the opportunity to talk, um, thanks you guys for your time and attention, and to Donnie and Renal just for giving me the space. Um, so I wanted to speak today. I've got a few slides just with some scriptures. Um, you can put the title one up, Nika, thank you, but um, I'm not going to use my slides for quite a while. Well, not quite a while. Sorry, it's not going to be that long. But um, I'm going to start off today just by reading quite a lot of scripture, but I, I'm not going to put it up. You don't need to try and like you know go into our little bible thing and put it all up because uh, i'm going to jump around and i just really want to um tell us the story you know um of uh, some of the journey of the israelites um and i just really believe that this is a word in season for us after what craig preached last week and i i actually i, I hadn't planned on speaking about god's promises but once i'd put my thoughts together that's just what came out so I'm really trusting God that actually this is what what God wants to set us in this time for this season so I'm talking about um, weaponizing God's promises and I'm going to start to just I'm going to read to you but you can just listen like a story so all the way back to Genesis uh, chapter 12 verse 1 and now the Lord said to Abram go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And then uh, later on, uh, in verse 4, it says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. And then jumping forward to Exodus 3, um, 
God appears to Moses in the burning bush. We all know the story. Um, verse 8, God says, I have come down, speaking of the Israelites, I have gone, come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And then later in Exodus, in chapter 14, the Israelites have been delivered. They're at the Red Sea. Uh, the Egyptians are coming at them. They're trapped. And they're crying out to Moses, help us. And Moses is crying out to God. And God says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Um, interesting question, you know, for God to ask. Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they, will, they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And verse 19 goes on to uh, talk about how the angel of God was standing between... Oh, thanks, Leo was standing between the Israelites and the Egyptian army in a pillar of cloud. It's quite amazing to actually picture it and that, that he stayed there in this pillar of cloud until Moses eventually stretched out his hand to part the sea. In verse 21 it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. This has been quite terrifying. Um, and then after that comes absolute chaos from the Egyptian side. They decide to chase the Israelites into the sea, but then they realized that God was with the Israelites panic set in and ultimately they were swallowed up by the waters in an absolutely miraculous display of God's power to save his people and to fight their battle on their behalf. This little part of the story at the Red Sea ends with verse 31 where it says, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And then moving on, um, the uh, Israelites are now in the wilderness. They find themselves at Mount Sinai, where God confirms his covenant that he had originally made with Abraham. He confirms that with Moses. And um, Exodus 19, verse 3 says, While Moses went up to God, the Lord called, him out, called out to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, I tell and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." So how amazing is with that, that God would say that to people, you know, um, if you obey my voice and keep my commandment, you shall be, to be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Um, and at this time, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and he began them by saying um, in Exodus 20 verse 2, I am the Lord 
your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That was number one. That was the first thing that he told them. You shall have no other gods before me. And then going forward to Joshua, uh, chapter 1, after the death of Moses, God speaks to Joshua. And he says in verse 2, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. And then in verse 5, he goes on, uh, the Bible goes on to say, God goes on to say, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give to them. And then in Joshua 3, we have Israel crossing the Jordan River, which I feel is such a relevant season for the Israelites to us at this stage, in the season that, that we're in. And Joshua 3, verse 5, um, it says, Joshua then, jo- then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went, went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And he goes on to reveal in advance to all of the Israelites what he's going to do and how he's going to roll back the rivers of the Jordan. Um, and this is so that they will believe all of God's promises that are to come about the promised land uh, regarding all of the nations that he's going to conquer on their behalf because they've seen him do this miracle um, in the Jordan River. And God even says to them, "Here uh, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you to build their faith for what they're going into. And as soon as those, verse 15, it says, as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. And verse 17 goes on to say, now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over on dry ground. So in the sort of backdrop of this journey, this Israelite story, there's just four points that I wanted to talk about, which I feel are important for us in this kind of Joshua season. So the first one, you can put the slide up, is a question more than a point, whose story are we in? So we always talk about the Israelites and the, 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 the kingdom of the Israelites, you know. Um, the, but there's a song that uh, says, I must confess, I've been a criminal. I've stolen your breath and sang my own song. And uh, I, I just, I love it because every time I hear it, I feel convicted about who's, who owns my life, you know. Our life is not our own. Um, we've been bought with a price. And our life belongs to a creator and a savior who, um, who has given us that breath in our lungs. 
Um, and looking back at Genesis 2, where we started, um, God says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And this is God's plan. God has made this plan. God has carried it out, and He has a purpose, and there's a reason why He's taking these people on this journey. Um, God was in the burning bush talking to Moses. God was on Mount Sinai, where the earth shook and the cloud was there. Um, God was in the, in, at the Red Sea. He was the pillar of, cl of cloud. He parted the sea. He took them across the Jordan. And he performed countless like, sensational miracles in the Promised Land, uh, defeating all of their enemies there. This story is about him. It's his story. It's about God. And the purpose is to help us know him because we are the Israelites. We are God's people. Um, and it just uh, it, it makes me think of this this tapestry. I, I didn't want to use the word because I don't know if anyone even has those in their houses anymore. <laughs> I'm like aging myself. I think my mother has one on her wall. But otherwise, there's this shop in the Oceans Mall where they sell these gorgeous rugs, which I'll never be able to afford in my life. But they're, they're absolutely beautiful. And I thought of one of these rugs or a, a beautiful tapestry, which is the story of God, you know. And every single thread that's woven into it has got a place and it's got a purpose and if one of those is missing then that thread on its own doesn't really have any meaning you know and maybe it would just get lost or get thrown away but while it's threaded into that tapestry which is the greater the greater uh, picture it has a significant place and it has a purpose and I feel like that's how we are in God's story you know we are threads that are woven into his story and if we are missing from his story then what is our life without without God you know but as long as we are woven into this fabric of his story we have significance and we have meaning we have purpose um, I, I wore this shirt today on purpose this is a work shirt so you know I've, I'm like I was saying to Mary before the service um, I'm a scientist so I've got categories and boxes in my mind this is a work shirt doesn't come to church but anyway I decided to wear it today to illustrate a point because um, I really like it for work but um, it's got two threads missing in the front and um, no one at work has ever noticed that these two threads are missing but every single time I wear it I notice that they're missing and I wish they were there I wish they were not missing and it makes a difference to me you know and I've never ever noticed a thread missing from anyone else's clothes I don't think but for me like I wish that they were that they were here I wish that this was complete and um, I feel like that's how God is with us, you know. He knows if you are missing from the tapestry of His story, you know. And it matters to Him if you're there or if you're not. Yeah, in Luke 15, is, we have the parable of the lost sheep where the shepherd leaves the 99, you know. And uh, verse 7 says, I tell you there will be um, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And in the same chapter, it goes on to tell the story of the prodigal son. You know, and this is just the picture of the father's joy at the son being re-included re into that family. And um, the picture of God's joy at, of, of us being rewoven into this tapestry of his story. 
Um, when during uh, the hard lockdown level five during COVID, I actually completely lost all my joy in my kids. And uh, maybe some people can relate, don't know. But, um, you know, with the, <laughs> the absolute, like the intensity of schooling and working and cleaning and gardening and, you know, like trying to just make it all happen with everyone in one space. Um, and my kids developed this habit that um, every single time I made eye contact with them, they asked me for food. And um, <laughs> even, even if I just walked past their bedroom door, you know, they would, they would notice, they'd catch a glimpse of me walking past their door. And it's like, oh, I'm hungry. You know? And um, I got to the point where I was just like, I lost my joy in them. You know, before that, I would go into their bedroom at night when they're sleeping and like look at them, gaze at them, just love them, like kiss their little cheekies and, you know. And I totally lost that. I was just like, oh, I actually just want to get away from these people, you know. And, um, but, and I, it bothered me, but I just, I found that um, after lockdown, when things started to go back to normal, God, God restored that, you know. And I didn't know if he would. There was a time when I wondered if like, oh my gosh, have I moved into a new phase where I actually don't really care about my kids anymore? Is that, that maybe that's a normal progression? But, but it wasn't. God restored that to me, you know. And I feel like that is, that is a prophecy to me about other aspects of my life that I'm trusting God to restore. You know, the fact that he could do that for me in that aspect of my life, I know he can do that in other aspects of my life, that I'm trusting him to restore, you know, and, and I know that he can do that in the lives of people around me um, who need restoration in whatever areas of, the li of their lives that they're facing. And, and you know, God's heart is, is for restoration, for complete restoration of his people to their original purpose because he created us with a purpose. Everyone here knows that. You have no excuse to not know that God created us for a purpose and not just us, but this church as well. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, we all know the scripture for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Joshua, Moses, all of these people, you know, they all had a part to play, and so do we. Like, their part may have been way down that end of the tapestry, and ours may be down this end, but it's the same story. God is still writing the same story, and we all have a part to play, um, and it's significant to God. God notices if we're missing from the story. Okay, so um, the second point I want to talk about is our relationship with God. So our relationship with God needs to be our first priority. And it's amazing how as humans, we become like the thing or the person that we love or that we worship or that we spend time with. Um, it, it just seems to be a natural part of our nature that, that as we focus our attention on a person or a thing or whatever, uh, we start to change and we start to become like that. Um, I was watching a documentary um, about this young woman in America who she was telling the story and she was telling it, you know, with tears of shame, um, but she fell in love with a man. She was young, in her 20s, cool, cool lady. I mean, like she was like really like a, a normal young woman. Um, she fell in love with a man who was involved in an extreme right-wing racist movement 
in the USA. And she got drawn into this. And um, this documentary is about her story and how she was involved and how she came out of it. And um, it was all because she fell so deeply in love with this man. She just automatically bought into everything he believed. And she wanted to be included in everything that he was doing. And... Um, you know, she, she, she tell, I mean, it was so, so extreme that she actually believed that the Holocaust did not happen. That's what these people were kind of preaching. And she bought into that and she looks back with such shame in herself for actually believing this. But the reality is that the only mistake she made was worshiping the wrong man. You know, she just, she just set her affection on a man who led her in a lie instead of the man that leads us to the truth you know um, and I, I believe that this natural instinct for us to change um, to be like the thing that we worship is um, is God given because we were actually made for God you know we were supposed to live in a perfect world with God as our as our love and as our, our king and then this instinct would make us more like God but with sin coming into the world we've been um, cut off from God and so we've we find all of these other things to put our affection on and to worship and we become like those and Guy, um, a few, a couple of months, month or two ago, he asked us about our relationships with God, our personal relationships with God. And I'm not sure if you remember, but he said, imagine if you are a husband and wife or a brother and sister or whatever, like close family relationship. And um, the only time you spoke to each other was to uh, ask for something or to say goodnight. And that was it, you know. And he was like, is that a functional relationship? And we were like, no, it's a dysfunctional relationship. No one would want that as a quality relationship. Um, but so many of us treat God in that way. But the reality is that as we spend more time and we connect and cultivate our relationship with Jesus, we will automatically fall more in love with Him and we will desire Him more. The New Testament is full of examples of people just dropping everything to follow Jesus because of who He is and because we're made for Him. Um, and so our relationship with Him is really important for us to um, to want to be included and to become more like him to be included in what he's doing um, and I feel that this is why God um, is also a part of why he's such a jealous God for us because he knows that we will become like what we worship and he said like his first thing to the um, the Israelites was you shall have no other gods before me and it's because he knows that he is the only real truth that we have to stand on and um, he's the only re real reliable role model that if as we change to become more like him that's good for us and it's good for God's purposes and it's good for the story that God is writing here on earth so we talk about you know God's story and uh, we talk about a Joshua season and taking ground um, for the kingdom of God um, but to take ground, the Israelites had to go into battles, you know, and God has given us what we need. God has planned our journey and he's planned, he's prepared the good works that we're going to walk in like we've read. And he's given us what we need to face that. He's given us um, the weapons of our warfare and he's given us the armor of God. 
So Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. This armor that God gives us is God's own armor. This is what God approves for us to use to face what we have to face. Um, I Last year, some of you know, I took up running. I was very proud of myself after watching the comrades. <laughs> And um, I had a terrible, terrible running shoes. They were really old and tatty and poor quality. So I went and bought new running shoes. And I uh, had a budget and I went to, Total Sports was having a sale. And I said to the guy, you know, I'm choosing from this rack or whatever. But I could feel myself doing it at the time. And afterwards, I even reflected on the fact that I, I know I chose, I chose Essex running shoes. And I know that I chose those because those were always the brand of running shoes that my dad ran in. He's run his whole life and he's always had that brand. And so I had confidence that that brand was good. I knew it was good and that's why I chose it. And even now when I run in them, I know they're good because my dad knows they're good, you know. And um, I feel like that is how it is with, the, with our, we need to have confidence in what God has given us um, to, to receive his promises. Um, and confidence is so linked to these promises of God. In Hebrews 10 verse 35, it says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Okay, number three, um, peace with God is so necessary for us, and this unlocks God's promises for us. So we speak about weapons of our warfare, and the Bible says they are powerful to tear down strongholds, advance against the enemy, and to be able to take back territory that the enemy has stolen. So like Elrod, you said this morning, you know, like hell was plundered. 15 families changed because of those men whose lives were saved. And God can go anywhere. God, there's no place that's too dark, too far, or too long ago where something was lost that God can't go to get it back. And we're surrounded by testimonies of God's breakthrough and his miraculous restoration you know just a week or two ago Charlene stood up here and told us about God healing pain in her feet that she's had for is it I think it's decades if not decades it's more than one decade it's a lot of years that she has lived with it and um, we need to let that build our faith you know um, but this all, all of these promises come in a state of peace with God when we're at peace with God and and we're so graciously given that through Jesus who's reunited us with him uh, one of these pieces of armor is the shoes they talk about the shoes and um, the Bible says it's the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace and in my mind I always thought of this as evangelism you know I hear the word gospel and I just think evangelism and like that's one of the things we've got to do and it's like you know helps us take ground for the kingdom of God but there's a teaching that uh, actually teaches that that's not 
100 percent what this what this piece is referring to and it may include that in some contexts but really the gospel of peace is the gospel of peace for me with God that's the gospel that was shared to me it's the gospel the good news that Jesus brought that peace to me with God and that's as long as I'm at peace with God, I have peace and stability in my life. Uh, the stability comes from the picture of the Roman soldier's sandals. So these shoes, so this whole verse in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God is related to a Roman soldier that the people at the time would have known, you know, what they look like. And um, this, they talk about the sandals. And these soldiers had these sandals that were like extremely, like not like our sandals today, like proper, like, army type strong things I don't know but they have they had these huge studs underneath like spikes um, on their soles and these helped them to uh, keep their footing when they were under pressure and especially when they're in a defensive formation they would form a tight line and if one person lost their footing then the line would be breached in the battle so they had these shoes these sandals which dug into the ground and helped every single soldier keep their footing so that their whole line of defense would stand upright and would not fall under the pressure and that's how peace is with us with God it helps us to anchor to the one who gives us that peace so when the pressure comes or when we're in the battle we have that peace that gives us that stability and we don't crumble we don't fall under the under the pressure or in the battle because we're connected to to God and we're at peace with him and it's a simple formula peace with God plus obedience brings us those promises and uh, the Israelites had that they had peace with God they followed him the, he was their God you know he led them through the wilderness and they obeyed him they did what he told them to do and they inherited their promised land um, in the book of Joshua uh, God it talks about God restoring his people to a land that he had already given them and it says that uh, we're in Joshua 2 verse 24 after the spies came back from uh, you know scouting out the Canaan, uh, the land uh, they say to Joshua truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands and the Israelites didn't realize that actually they were going to take back ground that was already stolen from them because this is the kingdom of God and that land the whole earth was made for God's people it was only when sin entered the world and we became separated from God that all of these things were stolen from us and the Israelites were this recreation of God's kingdom and so this land that God was giving them was actually their inheritance that they already had and this was God going in and taking back their inheritance for them um, but they landed up forgetting about God in the end and they actually turned, you know, once they got the promises and they were living in the promised land, um, we can still learn so much from them because they, they tur then turned away from God and um, lost their inheritance. Um, and rejection of God will lead us to losing his promises. In 1 Samuel 8, verse 7, they were crying out to, um, the Israelites were crying out to Samuel. They wanted a king, give us a king, give us a king. And the Lord told Samuel, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. And they rejected God himself, you know. And you just think to yourself, my goodness, they had the king of kings, you know. And... Um, 
in verse 20, they were even describing to Samuel what they wanted their king to do. They were saying, then we will be like all the other nations uh, uh, with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. And if you think about it, that's exactly what God had been doing, you know. He led them. He went out before them. He fought their battles. He did it all for them, but they still rejected him and they wanted a man. They just wanted that man that they could see. And, um, you know, it's just, it's so unfortunate, but it's such a good lesson for us because this was the unraveling of the Israelite kingdom, you know, ultimately going into exile, losing the promise that they had been given. And this is because they chose instead of to worship God, the king of kings, the, the actual truth, they put a man there to worship the man. And every king that was put over them would set up, you know, these... Uh, altars to Baal and whatnot, and all the people would just blindly follow them and just led to their destruction. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about was um, God's promises are for us too. So this is not just a history lesson. Like I say, this is the story of God's story throughout all, the all time, which we're a part of. And the Israelites believed in God's power because they had experienced um, his mir miracles along the way. So um, generation to generation. Um, so God seems to build faith in this way. Um, the Israelites who were crossing the Jordan River, they may not have been in the Red Sea, or if they were, they would have been possibly children, but their parents would have crossed the Red Sea, and they would have known about the miracle that God did there. And because of that, they would know that if he said he was going to stop the Jordan River and, and let them cross on dry ground, that that was possible because he did that for the Red Sea. So he could do that in the Jordan River. And this built their faith and it's the same God, you know, in the same way that the Israelites crossing the Jordan knew that God could do it because it was the same God that, that uh, split the Red Sea. We, our God today, who's promised us things, we know that he can do it because it's the same God who brought down Jericho. And it's the same God who raised Lazarus from the dead. It's the same God who himself, as Jesus came to earth, took away our sin, himself rose from the dead he, so he can do anything and we have to let these testimonies minister to us and build our faith because this is a season where God is calling us to raise our faith and it's a season where God is calling us to a simple belief you know I thought the other day what if we just believe what if we just just throw everything else away and just believe what the Bible says you know um, I was lying in bed the one night and I um, I read Matthew 6 verse 34 where we all know the scripture do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries today's trouble is enough for today and I just like thought okay I'm gonna just take this literally you know so I thought to myself okay today's troubles are only are over you know it says there today's trouble is enough for today so I was like okay I'm in bed the day's over there's no more trouble coming my way and then tomorrow has its own troubles. God saw fit to put those tomorrow, not today. So I need to leave them tomorrow because bringing them into today and worrying about them now is being disobedient to God. So just simply believe, simply obey. And I actually felt such a sense of peace because I was like, wow, I've got the whole rest of tonight where there's no troubles because today's troubles are over and tomorrow's troubles haven't come. 
And that was just such a sense of peace for me. And I feel like we need to do that with God's scripture. We need to just believe it and we need to just obey it and, and see what he does, you know. Um, bringing those worries into today would um, interfere with what God actually has planned in his story, you know. Um, at work, we talk, we talk about our circle, you know, our circle of responsibility, and we always, we always have to do the hand when we say it. So it's like, it's like we'll, we'll tell each other, okay, just remember your circle, you know, like stop, stop your circle, because we all, we get so frustrated with other departments, other divisions, and they're not doing it right. And if they did it that way, it would be so much better. And like, and of course, we're always right, and they're always wrong. And like, we have to tell each other, you know what? It's actually. It's not in your circle. Just do what's in your circle. Don't worry about what's in somebody else's circle. And sometimes we do that with God. You know, we want to control everything, but that's not actually in our circle. Um, and all we need to do is believe in God. All we need to do is have faith that God will do what He said He will do. Whether he does it, how he does it, when he does it, that is not in our circle. That's God. You know, it's up to him. And we have to remember it's his story. It is not my story. It's his story. And so the pressure is on God to weave this tapestry. The pressure is on God to bring the promise to life. I just have to believe it. And I just have to control what's in my circle. Simple belief and obedience. And then just the last thing I want to mention before, and I'm going to end with a prayer, but we speak about the armor of God, and there's, there's a piece of armor that um, is uh, mentioned in the Word as the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it, this isn't the sword, which is a metaphor for the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's not like it's the Holy Spirit who is the weapon or the, the piece of armor and they're just using a sword to symbolize him. The, the way it's written is actually that this is the Spirit's sword. So it is the sword of the Spirit and it's the, spirit that, the sword that the Holy Spirit uses in, in the spiritual for taking ground for the kingdom of God. And it's such a beautiful picture of a partnership between the natural and the spiritual. And that we in the natural can take something so practical as the word of God and declare it and pray it and believe it. And in that way, we partner with the Holy Spirit who wields his sword in the spiritual. And we have that opportunity to participate in taking ground for the kingdom. And I feel like this is how we weaponize the promises of God because we, we use his word as a weapon, as a sword. And so I'd just like to end with a prayer. And maybe if we can just stand and close your eyes. I'm going to just pray some of God's promises to us that come straight from scripture. It's just to put the sword of the spirit into action. And um, you can just, you don't have to pray along. You can just, just be in a sort of a posture of receiving. Um, so Father, yeah, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Father, you have not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and you have not hidden your face from us, but you hear when we cry to you and answer us. You are good, Lord, a stronghold in the day of trouble. Your word declares to us, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. 
and through the rivers. They shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. We do not fear, Lord, for you are with us. You strengthen us. You help us. You hold our right hand. Thank you that you will fight for us. And we have only to be silent. Help us give you the battle that belongs to you, Lord. Father, you give power to the faint, and to him who has no might, you increase strength. We trust in you, God, to give us the victory. Father, we choose to not allow our hearts to be troubled. Instead, we believe in you. Thank you that your spirit helps us in our weakness, intercedes for us, and you work all things together for our good and call us according to your purposes. We wait in hope of the glory that is to be revealed to us as we endure the sufferings of this present time. And we thank you for the hope that we have in you. Thank you for your compassion, God, and your steadfast love that shall not depart from us and your covenant of peace that shall not be removed from us. You offer us an everlasting salvation and you will never be put to shame or disgraced. Lord, we know that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which you prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We believe that all things are possible with you, God. So we commit our work to you and we trust that your plans will be established through our lives. Thank you for your forgiveness in Christ. Help us to be kind to one another according to your instruction, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Thank you that even in your discipline, you do not give us over to death. You are worthy of our trust and you have not forsaken those of us who seek you. You bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. For our sake, you made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become righteous. We are called to freedom, and we choose to use our freedom as an opportunity to serve one another in love. We will look to you, Lord. We will wait for the God of our salvation, for you will hear us. We will not be anxious about our life, what we will eat or drink, nor about our body, what we will put on, for you value us, your children, but rather we choose to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and trust you for our needs. And finally, to you, God, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. How was that? Deserves a good honk, I think. <laughs> I think there are there are just a couple of things. I'm not going to re-preach Leith's preach because you've just sat and listened to it with great care. Um, but there's just a couple of things. You know, God, God will miss us if we're not there and if we're not doing the things and being the people that God's asked us to be. He's He's going to miss us, like miss us, heart miss us, not miss us, head miss us, and like. Oh, you know, oh, she's not doing her job properly. Not like that. Miss us, like, oh, oh, it's not quite finished because she's not there. And then I think also just the, the call, the call to radical 
application of the word. Don't, don't just read it and say, well, that's nice. My verse for the day, and we put a pretty picture and we post it on Facebook and then we go off and do our thing. But actually take the word for the day and say, yo, how does that make my life change? What steps am I being asked to take? What changes must I make so that um, so I'll see, I'll see the word. I don't just read it. I actually live the word. So thank you, Leaf. Absolutely brilliant. Um, now we need to encourage the baristas by drinking coffee, apparently. <laughs> so good. Have a lovely morning. Bye. If anyone's still online, see ya. And uh, have a have a great day and rest of the week. Bye.